0: feel like you're battling imposter syndrome in an online career? Imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, is when you have a perception of yourself, and it's filled with doubt, maybe even some fear. And it might seem like others know more than you do about what you're doing. Ultimately, there's a feeling that you don't deserve your success. There's somewhat of a disconnect. Imposter syndrome is often identified through primary feelings and perceptions, but also there's this test that was developed to help people determine whether or not they have these characteristics, and if they do, to what extent they are having them. If you take this informal test, it's really determined to give you a sense of what you're dealing with. It's not a psychological profile or inventory, and really, um, it's something that you can identify for yourself and try to focus on to improve. Imposter syndrome is not necessarily a clinical psychological diagnosis. In fact, I've heard it called many things, imposter phenomenon, imposter feelings, and so forth. At the Online Learning Consortium's Accelerate Conference in 2018, there was a session for professionals who teach online and work online called The Confidence Crisis – imposter syndrome and online leaders. This was a very popular session. I attended it and it was interesting to hear the thoughts of those people present. Some of the details they mentioned that you might experience if you're in online education and you feel imposter feelings are that perhaps you got here by luck. You might shrug off compliments and not appreciate their value. And you might also think, when are they going to pull me off off this assignment, maybe they're going to open the curtains and expose me. So if you ever have those kinds of feelings, they can really influence your thinking. If you were to perform a typical internet search on imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon, you would learn that generally from all the research that is out there, about 70% of people have felt imposter feelings at some time or another, and it's very common. It's been noted that women tend to typically experience it more than men. It is more intensely common when there is competition, or if there is uncharted territory, where there are few mentors. When you think about online education, it is growing in popularity, and it is becoming increasingly common. However, if you are teaching in online education, you'll find that it is pretty isolating, If you don't have a natural community already existing that you're part of, you can feel like there are no mentors for you. And you can feel that it is a very isolating experience. Imposter feelings can happen very easily and very naturally. I'll read you some of the um, interesting parts of this IP scale, the Clarence, I'm sorry, the Clance IP scale and you read through these questions and think about how they impact you. The first one is, I have often succeeded on a test or task even though I was afraid that I would not do well before I undertook the task. Second, I can give the impression that I'm more competent than I really am. Third, I avoid evaluations if possible and have a dread of others evaluating me. Fourth, When people praise me for something I have accomplished, I'm afraid I won't be able to live up to their expectations of me in the future. Fifth, I sometimes think I obtained my present position or gained my present success because I happened to be in the right place at the right time or knew the right people. Sixth, I'm afraid people important to me may find out that I'm not as capable as they think I am. Seventh, I tend to remember the incidents in which I have not done my best more than those times in which I have done my best. Eighth, I rarely do a project or task as well as I'd like to do it. Ninth, sometimes I feel or believe that my success in my life or in my job has been the result of some kind of error. Tenth, it's hard for me to accept compliments or praise about my intelligence or accomplishments. Eleventh, At times I feel my success has been due to some kind of luck. Twelfth, I'm disappointed at times in my present accomplishments and think I should have accomplished much more. Thirteenth, sometimes I'm afraid others will discover how much knowledge or ability I really lack. Fourteenth, I am often afraid that I may fail at a new assignment or undertaking, even though I generally do well at what I attempt. Fifteenth, when I've succeeded at something and received recognition for my accomplishments, I have doubts that I can keep repeating that success. Sixteenth, if I receive a great deal of praise and recognition for something I have accomplished, I tend to discount the importance of what I've done. Seventeenth, I often compare my ability to those around me and think they might be more intelligent than I am. Eighteenth, I often worry about not succeeding with a project or examination, even though others around me have considerable confidence that I will do well. Nineteenth, if I'm going to receive a promotion or gain recognition of some kind, I hesitate to tell others until it is accomplished fact. Twentieth, I feel bad and discouraged if I'm not the best or at least very special in situations that involve achievement. So you take the awareness inventory, and on those 20 questions, you answer from not at all true to very true on a Likert scale, a five-point scale, to show how much it applies to you, and then you add up your responses. The question is, why does this tend to happen, and how can you deal with it? What can you do to put it behind you, or at least start to tackle it? In a study that I learned about in 2018 at the Music Educator Research Conference, this was a study created by Sims and Cassidy called "Imposter Phenomenon Responses of Early Career Music Education Faculty. They came up with some interesting insights. And in their study, they found that of the higher education professors that they surveyed, researchers that they surveyed, 77% of the women reported frequent or intense imposter syndrome feelings, and 62% of the men also reported this. They used that Clance rating scale on imposter syndrome. Now, some of the things that contributed to the feelings of imposter syndrome when they did this research were that they were alone, there were no mentors, no community, and no one there to help them. This kind of isolation, just like the music educator study, definitely happens in online education. In fact, where people who teach in face-to-face settings actually go to work every day, an online educator may work from home. A person who goes into the office to work might have stories to tell about the day with friends and families. They might have colleagues, department chairs, or administrators that they see in person. These people actually see their students and get involved in communities. They have a physical campus to go to. When we work online from home, there are just as many stories to tell. We also have colleagues and supervisors, and we have students too. But we do not always see these people face-to-face, and our loved ones don't get to see us get dressed and leave the house for work. Hence, traditional ideas about work and significance start to seem fuzzy they're really unclear if you teach online asynchronously, which means you don't have live class times for meeting with your online students. If you feel like an imposter in your online career, you might struggle to feel satisfied with your efforts in asynchronous teaching, or maybe you might have the flip side. You might feel driven to work harder and work longer and longer hours. Teaching through the computer can be known to be isolating and create its own kind of disconnect, as I've mentioned several times already in this podcast, and it might be difficult to put that computer away at the end of your teaching day, detach from the electronics, and engage in your face-to-face home life. So where can you start when you're experiencing this imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon and you're working in an online career? What can you do about this? There are a lot of tips and strategies that may help you to begin to shatter this experience you're having. Now, imposter phenomenon is complex, but there are many ways to start to overcome these feelings and really engage in what's going on. It will take consistent focus to connect your efforts to your online work. And at first, these suggestions will seem like they could never work, but by trying them, You're going to help to turn these things around for yourself and begin to connect your efforts with your results. What we really know about imposter phenomenon is that there is a true disconnect between what you're actually doing and what the results are. It's very difficult to see a true relationship. Some general tips you'll find when you research on the Internet are that tips include acknowledging what you do know and keep learning, Also, stop trying to be perfect, set carefully designed realistic goals, reflect and review your progress, keep a list of your accomplishments and your efforts, and also allow others to express emotions toward you without internalizing them and taking them personally. You also need strong organizational skills and systems, especially in your work. And be mindful of the time you're spending and the tasks you're completing. Now, some special tips I have for you today that pertain even more to your online work include the following. First, consider and articulate your online teaching philosophy. It helps to write this down and look at it regularly and make sure that it means something to you and it really communicates your most important values about education and about your teaching. When you do this and you write down your teaching philosophy, you'll want to regularly look at it and ask yourself, are the things I'm doing lining up with what I believe in about what I'm doing? Whatever matters most to me in this work, am I actually getting that part done? It can also help to create a full vision of where you want to take education in the lives of those people you're working with, your learners, and then make some specific action steps and strategies and review these regularly. Next, it can be even more helpful to get to know your values, strengths, and personality. You can visit a life coach. You can go to a human resources professional. You can also go to a therapist. There are many people who will do these kinds of inventories with you, and there are free opportunities to learn about your values, strengths, and personality type online if you wish as well. The more you learn about what makes you unique, the more you get to know why you cannot truly compare yourself to other people. Each one of us is truly unique, and getting to know this about yourself will help you learn to draw on your strengths and your abilities. The more you use your strengths and your abilities in your online teaching, the more you'll be able to see your unique efforts coming to pass and yielding some results. Next... Thoughtfully choose online teaching approaches that connect to your teaching philosophy and which use your greatest strengths and your skills. That's part of creating those action steps and strategies I mentioned to align with your teaching philosophy. Now, after you detail your teaching itself and start to look at yourself, your uniqueness, your strengths, and start to more consciously do the things in your teaching that are going to tie back to who you are, You also want to set aside enough space and time for the professional community part of your life. As the isolation of an online career takes hold in your life, you can knock it right down with professional communities and keep yourself engaged with other people. There are three or four great ways to do this. The first option is to participate in professional communities in your subject area And particularly in online education. If you're not sure where to go for a community about online education, I highly recommend looking at the Online Learning Consortium. They have a conference every year, and this year they're doing a lot of virtual conferencing. One is coming up in November, and you will learn a lot and be able to connect with people there as well. When possible, present at professional conferences. Again, this year, there are a lot of professional conferences held online. Currently, there are probably a lot of proposal opportunities out there, either in your subject matter or in online education generally, where you can put subjects out there for a proposal for a virtual conference in the next six to 10 months. Presenting online is still a great way to connect with your professional opportunities, your communities, and your bigger educational field. Develop your identity as an online educator and share it through various outlets, like LinkedIn. The more you talk about yourself as an online professional and an online educator, the more you're gonna get a sense of your career as being a legitimate, healthy thing. 10 years ago, when I first started teaching online, not everyone knew what online learning was. It was relatively less known, and a lot of people didn't know how to ask about it or talk about it or even have an interest in what I was doing, um, like relatives, friends, neighbors. So it was very difficult to connect with people or talk about that as a career. More people are familiar with that now, and so many people are working from home that it can really break the ice to share that you do work online And you can put that in your profile on LinkedIn and other spaces. And then, of course, build relationships with your students. That's why we're all here being educators. The more you can connect with the real people that you're teaching online, the more you can feel the sense of accomplishment of what you're doing. You can also build relationships with your colleagues and your peers. There are other faculty, probably at the institution you're teaching at, who are also online. Some are more comfortable than others doing this, but all of them would love your community and your companionship. If you focus and take consistent action every day a little bit more, pretty soon you're going to be feeling more confident and more able to move forward and much less of that imposter phenomenon. Lastly, there are two thought-related strategies guarding your mindset These can be especially helpful as you consider how you might reduce feelings of imposter phenomenon while working in an online career. The first one is, in your mindset, guard against the past. Don't let any previous failures you've had mean that you're not good enough or not smart enough to make things happen right now. You can make them happen. And in fact, the more you believe in your ability to get things done right now, the more you can collect positive evidence to refute any failures of the past that you might have experienced. And secondly, also with your mindset, learn to take real responsibility to generate results in your online education. At the same time as you're taking responsibility for your results, you have to also know that you cannot completely control the outcomes with your students. You can put forth your efforts, your best strategies, your teaching materials, videos that you create, all kinds of materials. But the ultimate achievement does depend on other people, your students. The more you get to know your students and meet them where they're at and give them your best practices, the more you're going to see results. And you're certainly going to hear from your students about the impact you're making and the ways you're helping them to learn. So in tying all of these ideas together... It's helpful to think about imposter syndrome in online careers. Even if this is not something that is plaguing you personally or impacting you, it might be really hitting people around you who are feeling quite isolated and in need of help. If you have someone in your professional life who you know might be suffering from imposter syndrome, there are a few things you can do to help them as well. The first one is to discuss with them what they're trying, what they're doing, and hear them, and just be there and listen to them as they talk about what's going on with them and their teaching. Also, if you have online meetings, which can be very difficult to manage at times, if you notice that a person is being talked over at a meeting, help them, defend them, ask about their ideas during the meeting so they get a better chance to share and contribute to the professional community. You can also help earlier career faculty in particular who might be much less confident or even later career faculty who are not as familiar with the online platform. You can help them to identify areas where they're doing well or areas where they'd like some support. If they seem to be feeling imposter-like feelings, help them to understand they're not alone. A majority of people feel them at one time or another, and some people feel them all the time. Another thing we can do to help our colleagues who might be feeling imposter syndrome is to help them with strategies to prepare their students for various opportunities. If some faculty come into the field with extensive subject matter expertise, but not always strategies specific to the kind of teaching they must do, especially if they have recently moved online, you can help them develop those strategies to prepare their students, and get creative in the ways they're approaching their online teaching. If they're involved with research, and you also are involved in research, you might invite your colleagues to do research projects with you, or co-author blog or articles. You can teach and model research submission processes for your colleagues and your peers, and also help with reviewers' comments and first-read drafts. It's very helpful to work with colleagues on getting into research and writing, especially for those who are less confident and not really sure of what they could offer. Lastly, we can work with our friends, colleagues, and other faculty to serve as mentors to others. When we do peer mentoring or engage in peer mentoring and ask others to mentor us, or get in writing groups or other kinds of professional communities, That really can strengthen our sense of our place in the profession itself and help us to take more risks and participate in more activities that we might otherwise shrug off. So both in the online teaching front and also in the greater academic community as far as writing and research and those kind of things go, we can do a lot to fight off imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon for ourselves and also for our peers and colleagues. Keep that in mind this week as you work on your teaching online, and also, in closing, focus your efforts and see who you can reach out to this week. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. As you try out these ideas, visit my blog and share your results. How did they work? What would you add? Any suggestions, comments, or questions? Best wishes this week in the Grand Online Teaching Adventure.